0: We, we know of new methods of attack.
1: The Trojan Horse, the Fifth Column.
2: Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, feels a little unusual. It's a little loud there. It's a, it's a, it's a bit loud, but it but it also just feels a little unusual. We're here in the morning. Which is uh, not not normal oh, for us. Yeah. Typically, we record these in the evening. We are recording in the morning because of our very hectic schedules. We're quite important, and we have a lot of important <laughs> things to do. So, typically, we we're to drunk too. Around. That's yeah. kind of
3: the some of the appeal. Well, yeah, the, no, no drinking
2: this morning. There's
0: cups of coffee Canada. on the, the table. thing is I can't. You can't say with with pure accuracy that there's going to be no drinking this morning because it's, as w- our well, I
2: didn't bring any alcohol is was what I can say. As our Chad. Trump fan
0: Chand, over there on the other side of the did you the, the call him
2: Chand? Chant.
0: Chand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, informed us there's a suitcase yeah. of Modelo's in the fridge yeah. and it's 10, well, it's very weird 37 in the morning. So it's going to yeah. be, you know, it's okay. very weird it's happy that hour somewhere. Uh, Chad, <laughs>
3: our Trump loving, um, engineer uh, producer, uh, has Modelo's because it's a Mexican beer. And mm-hmm. I'm very surprised that Chad is reaching out to the people of Mexico by
2: buying, Their beer while also despising them. I mean, that's a Trump fan. That sort of cultural appropriation shouldn't (laughs) surprise you. Um, This is uh, your almost weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, and ourselves. Um, I'm Camille Foster. Those those other two gentlemen, Matt Welch, editor at large Reason Magazine, Michael Moynihan, national correspondent for HBO's Vice News Tonight. Um, They're obviously doing quite well. A a few brief words of warning uh, here. This program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations of various kinds. Uh, this is recorded on... This is 524, right? So it's the morning of 524. Um, and this is uh, episode yes. 58. There are, there are many things happening in the world today. But, but before we get to that, gentlemen, um, I did bring you both gifts. Yes. These <clears throat> lighters from the yeah. Nobody Safe Tour. Yeah. Again, Nobody Safe Tour. Feels nobody safe. Feels a little bit, safe, safe, a little bit verbless. Yeah. 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 A little bit. A little bit. Um, you know, this you is know, uh, it, the future Future concert that I went to last week and it was a uh, remarkable, transformative musical experience. <laughs> Did it have uh, verbs? Transcendent. It was, a, it was a very musical show. Yeah. It was very, very musical. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I I wish you guys could be there with me. But since you couldn't, I brought you back these lighters. Here's the thing is that when
3: you get a lighter at a future show, you're not getting a lighter to smoke cigarettes because this is a young crowd at the future show. Nobody smokes cigarettes anymore. I believe, Camille, you've just uh, handed me some sort of drug paraphernalia. It's <laughs> officially now drug paraphernalia—the yeah. lighter, because it's not a—it's not for, for for letting cigarettes. Well, that's that's going to be illegal
0: in uh, De Blasio's New York within uh, oh, six months. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, it's it's just the lighter, but yeah, there were kids smoking weed all, all around uh. me. I I did this may have been my last like sort of youthful uh, concert. Um, I was called sir once. Oh. Um, oh wow! Excuse me, sir. I'm sorry. Well, it, and the, I had the two young gentlemen who were uh standing beside me in the very front uh center this front row center front of the stage i'm just giving you a sense so you I'm weren't in the front row for me i was oh okay. but center front row <laughs> yeah um but the gentleman standing beside me said you know if, if you want us to put uh put these these out you know just let me know because they're smoking and I said, Nah, it's no problem. Guys
3: <laughs> what is going, going on, on at the cut, con- yo, man? Um, I'm sorry for disrespecting your space. Yeah, um, I know this is a safe space, and I don't want to smoke a weed in your space. Yes. Um, yeah. oh, I'm getting a call right now about that smoking. I didn't turn my I didn't turn my phone off. You you know
0: that like. Black people haven't talked
2: like that since that's 1982. Not, first of all, yeah, that's, no, that's, I don't know. That that's that's not, a, not a black
3: voice. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> that is not a black voice. That is that supposed is a, to be.
2: That is clearly supposed to be no, a black. voice. No, it is not. But it's that a is a friend.
3: Like, a friend of mine who oh, I know.
2: Okay, who you used, right. used to you're be right. on San Francisco. It didn't <laughs> have to be. It didn't have to be a black voice. It's because, not a black voice because, as I said before, I mean, like. Going to the future concert, mm-hmm. it is like walking into a united color of ben- Benetton. Benetton? Okay. Benetton, it's called. It is amazing. <laughs> it's it's just like Christmas a rainbow cake, right? coalition of people yeah. who all just love this music. <laughs> the rainbow <That's> coalition <laughs> yeah. of a future. I didn't, I didn't yeah. mean to invoke Smoking Jesse Jackson. Smoking
0: the weed. But, uh, uh, yeah, but you how did, how did, I did? Clicked I did. off uh, two of the uh, fifth yeah. <laughs> <that's> column <called> bingo. <laughs> what are you, what are
3: you wait, three minutes in and I've yeah. done a really bad Jesse Jackson impression? And cultural yeah.
2: appropriation and um,
3: um a be. voice that was definitely of no particular ethnicity That's just a right. voice of a yeah. friend of
2: mine yeah yeah, well. Reggie, I just wanted to share that because I, because I was thinking of you guys and I and I brought. Oh, so that.
3: by the way, I want to I want to share this other thing while you were probably at the future concert and mm-hmm. Matt was probably sleeping under the, the the Manhattan Bridge or something. He does that. He sleeps a little rough sometimes. <laughs> um, wife kicks him out. Drinks a bit. Hobo these code These are things man. you, if you're new to the show, you'll learn as you learn the personalities of these people on the show. Mm. Um, no, I was in in, in airport in Indiana. Uh, uh, sorry, a hotel in Indianapolis. Mm. An airport hotel of all places. And I was getting breakfast at six thirty in the morning, and a a very nice gentleman came up to me and uh, told me that he loved the Fifth Column, and he said that yeah, and he said he had been uh, he was driving up um, from I think Southern Indiana from some. For some race, and I pretended I knew what the race was. I was yeah. like, "Oh yeah, the race." I was like, "I don't know. it Could be. I don't know. Maybe it was, he was saying he was trying to start a race war." It's I the, have no. The Boxcar
0: Children 500. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah.
3: So he's and he said, I think he said he listened to the fifth column in the in the truck all the time. So I want to give a shout out to him. As I, I mean, I always meet people um, who listen to the show. That was the weirdest place slash time, 6:30 a.m., which is a time that I don't often see, and uh, airport <laughs> hotels in Indianapolis. You know, I've been been to a few. <laughs> I will, I will
0: add another one on, on these things. And, and how weird is it to be recognized in anywhere for a podcast that seems yeah, kind of like a, a backwards and wrong? Yeah. Um, walking through Carroll Park in our neighborhood in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, um, there's the uh, they have a an annual uh, Shakespeare in the Park uh, thing put oh, on by God, this, how
3: precious you guys are! You <laughs> know, whatever.
0: Yeah. Uh, put on by the Smith Street stage, which is not easy to say even when you're not uh, drunk. Uh, where are those medallists, by the way? Uh, and so uh, I was walking with my daughter, uh, Easy, at eight o'clock, uh, or you know, in, in in the early evening, and the guy who was playing Richard the Third, because obviously they're doing Richard the Third this year, um, said, "Hey." Matt Welch during the show? Uh, either, no, there was just a <laughs> rehearsal. Um, but like he's, the fifth column. <laughs> so Richard the Third at that at, uh, at uh, Carroll Park is a fifth column fan. I just want to uh, say so it, go out, bro- go out
3: and watch them. The, like how Brooklyn has changed that that Rich Camille Foster is looking for an apartment <laughs> in in one neighborhood that I sh- I shall not med- mention Bed-Stuy. And it's, Matt, it's and, bed And Matt and, yeah. and 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 Matt is like going to Shakespeare in the Park in Brooklyn twenty years ago he used to go. Of stabbings in the park in Brooklyn <laughs> on Sunday mornings, and if you didn't get stabbed, you got stabbed by a needle through the foot. Wow! So, wow! So it's a different place. And wow. you are God and, bless gentrification.
0: And you're in like what used to just be like Seventh Day Adventists, not Seventh Day Adventists, but uh, the other ones. Uh, I, I'm sorry. What was the Jehovah's Witnesses and Orthodox? No,
3: Orthodox. And I the, the verb tense was right. Used to be. Yeah, uh, My daughter, who is uh, now just turned six years old <laughs> when we moved in the neighborhood, all Hasidic uh, Jews, um, I was going to say, you know, I always say this thing in, you, in Williamsburg, say, say very nice people, yeah. just they don't talk to me. I try, they don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. And my daughter, <laughs> I had to tell her not to. And who, she's like, who are all these weirdos? Which <laughs> is what she said. And I was like, you can't, you can't say that. And she was like, Why? They, like, look at this. And I was like, yeah, man, fair enough. But, I mean, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't. She's like the weirdos. And then she said to me, literally last night, she said, uh, this, I swear to God, this is not a joke. And and you know uh, Joanna, who is um, somehow related to this child. I'm not sure how. But, um, who works at Recent Magazine. This is what my daughter said uh, this morning, or yesterday. I want to be Jewish, Papa. And I said, okay, uh-huh. why? Maybe we can convert. And she said... Because they have a lot of holidays, <laughs> this is true. she goes to a school which takes off you know sort of Albanian christmas and and you know uh, New year and like they all have, and there 's always a Jewish holiday, so she 's now convinced that the entire family should convert to Judaism. To get Based more holiday, holidays, which reminded me of the Seinfeld episode where where um, Tim Wantley, uh, played by the guy from Breaking Bad, hmm. converts to Judaism just for the jokes, <laughs> just so we <he> can make <laughs> just so we can make Jewish jokes, but so we anyway. can make fun of Jews. Yes, people? exactly, exactly. Is, and is and that have anti-Semitic though. I don't know, ask Rachel Dolezal if she's ever made a racist joke, and she'd be like, "Hey, I'm oh. black. I can I can do it."
2: Huh. You know, transracial that is actually that. You just blew my mind. Yeah, I can. Exactly. i never thought about that. If before. there
3: if there is no such thing as race, as you as you always say, Camille. Oh, largely. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean,
3: that, that does that mean you can identify and then make jokes and say, hey, I am a member of this clan,
2: mm-hmm. uh, so therefore I'm covered. Yeah, the specific claim that I've made is that race is a social construct, which yes. is which is true. It doesn't mean it's not a thing. It just means it's, yeah. it's that sort of thing. Although there is an interesting conversation interest entering its second uh, installment on uh, Sam Harris's podcast, not that we usually uh, name check other podcasts. It's, uh, it's worth your time and attention. Um, as is the most recent dispatch of uh, Josh Zepps podcast featuring yours truly. That is enough um, ads and promos for other people's tough, stuff. Yeah. yeah what um, about the promo for oh, our yeah, stuff? I should mention. My yeah, God, God, we've this, got some news. This, Why are we burying the lead? Here? This episode that we're that we're recording, uh, the one that you're roughly ten minutes into with us just kind of talking at you, um, is going to be the first installment of our new. Uh, thing, our engagement with the folks over at Sirius XM, the fifth column is, yeah. is moving to Sirius. So you will still be able to find us here however you got this podcast ex- onto your device. expanding or to Sirius. Yes, but Expand. we are going to be uh, spreading our wings and doing some things at Sirius. So in some cases, it will be a repackaged version of this show. In other cases, there will be uh, exclusive interview content that ends up there. And who knows uh, what else we might do. Um, yeah. that, that starts this weekend. Um, and uh, it'll be on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, and I believe the first airing is Saturday at 11 a.m. East. Uh, as they say, because Sirius keeps time in a weird, different way. And this is the POTUS uh, this is channel. The POTUS, POTUS channel, yeah. 124. So you should listen to this in your car or tell your friends that they can listen to it. Um, and call the people at Sirius and tell them how much you love this and how you've never heard of the podcast before until it aired on Sirius. Are you suborning
3: our listeners it. to lie yes, to our
2: overlords at Sirius?
3: Totally am. Wow, yes. good job. Yeah. The, yep. the next time, yeah, no, I was, I was going to was object. That more, that's actually,
2: more fake five-star reviews as well. <laughs> Keep writing those. Wow. Yeah. Get new iTunes yeah. accounts and create those. I literally Whatever go to takes. Union
3: Square and I give hobos like uh, devalued <laughs> Venezuelan money to, to, download to, the to download the podcast and uh, do uh, <laughs> reviews of it. It's amazing. It's yeah, it's good. We need that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When we were at the Soho Forum, when uh, Camille was wiping the floor with what's his face mm-hmm. about uh, racism in college. He who, sh- he who shall not be um, named. Uh, Here's the thing, Jim Epstein from Reason TV was there, and and I'm like, you well, should listen to the Fifth Column podcast, and, and and they had this look of embarrassment. They're like, I don't know how to do the podcast on my phone, and oh, so yeah. Jim's like, here, let me help you out. I mean, they're basically who I was a year and a half ago. Obviously, yeah. I mean, I wasn't. I think yeah. Camille probably set up podcasts on what, my like phone, mentally disturbed. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and technically, in, 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 but this this is what you can do. A lot of people just haven't like.
3: Is it true that the the one of the co hosts on this show set up podcasts on your phone? The new, I don't know. Is that true? If it wasn't, I just picture you it's it's like this old. If it like, was I need the pod. I don't even have the. How do you get the podcast? I, uh, Siri, get me the podcast. I, I don't
0: even do Siri. Are you kidding? Uh, yeah. uh, did you? you see, yeah, you can't get Siri on a flip phone. Uh, like, I was that guy. Did you see the SNL like Alexa thing for Alexa for old people? skit, which was super funny. Um, I'm I'm that guy. I can't make Alexa work because did you have that. Did no, you? thankfully, uh, because did you I, just have
3: I'm, a do you have a friend named Alexa that you keep yelling at? Yes, and <laughs> getting your name
2: wrong. Uh, you filthy whore, Alexa. It's, <laughs> Damn it! Get me a Wow, beer. useless. Yeah. Get me a Modelo. <laughs> yeah, Chained. we're not gonna. We're not gonna drink. We're not gonna drink before. We, we probably go. should, but, but let's let's, see how long this goes. Should we do? Should but, we but talk about but some there are news? things going on? Yeah. Yes, it, actually, urgent matters. Matters of great significance. Uh, there are terror attacks uh, recently in Manchester. Um, this is a, a suicide bombing that took place after an Ariana Grande concert in Manchester. A 22-year-old man wearing a suicide vest filled with shrapnel. Uh, detonated himself killing twenty two people injuring many more um, the uh, the Brits have moved to a heightened state of emergency uh, because they fear imminent attacks and the reason they suspect that is because this twenty two year old man had on uh, a, a bomb a bomb belt or a bomb vest some sort of materials that suggest that he may have had some sort of additional support. Um, There are a number of related issues here. I mean, there's the predictable stuff that happens every time you have one of these attacks, conversations about migrants and immigration, conversations about blowback and root causes of terrorism. Um, And in this particular case, we have another conversation, which we will probably come to a bit at the end of this this sort of block, Um, but a conversation about the United States leaking um, or at least announcing a bit too early um, intelligence related to this attack, specifically the identity of the young man who carried out this attack, which the Brits were not interested in having released yet, but had shared with the Americans. Um, Apparently, as has been the case in a number of other similar circumstances, the Brits knew who this young man was before the attack took place. Um, The Americans did not um, but simply having knowledge of who someone is, simply surveilling them, having some idea that they might at some point do something bad, obviously isn't enough to prevent these things from happening. You have finite resources; you can make a list as long as you like, um, and we don't know a great deal about what gets someone onto those lists, or for that matter, off of those lists. But it's um, also a civil—it's a—it's a, a civil liberties before. issue too, because. This
3: is always, there's a lot is often made of this. And this was, we saw this on the news quickly after. And I heard this even on NPR this morning um, when the British ambassador was being very strangely interviewed on Morning Edition, where the interview, of course, was made about Donald Trump and about do you trust him, et cetera, you know, with intelligence uh, uh, being leaked. But you always get that question and that comment, which is, you know, you uh, knew about this guy. So what happened? And that kind of is a subtle. Uh, this the subtle idea that civil liberties should be be jettisoned if somebody's on some sort of list. Yeah, they have a, they, they know a lot of people that do a lot of things. Now, the complicating factor here is that he came from a Libyan family. And according to some sources, he just came back from Libya, uh, which is now a de facto. I mean, it's a collapsed, broken, failed state in which portions of it around places like Derna are controlled um, by Islamic State or Islamic State-affiliated groups. And there is an also uh, chatter that he had gone um, to live uh, to Syria before. Um, Syria, of course, being the, the place where if you ever come back from Syria, like countries like Sweden, for instance, where I used to live, uh, only recently made it a crime to go to Syria, which I believe it should be. I mean, you're going to uh, effectively an active war zone and going to certain portions, which is a terror state, and people are coming back and they knew it and they said, okay, nothing we can do about it. And they'd keep an eye on them and some of those people Ended up doing bad things So they knew about that But this idea that knowing that people um, Are Have some bad ideas which is essentially what they knew, that he hung around mm-hmm. at particular mosques in, in Manchester, which were known to, to, to breed radicals or have radical messages, that something should have done, been done. Well, they, they, they have a resource problem in, in the UK with, with counter, uh, counterterrorism and intelligence. They do have a very effective um, uh, counterterrorism uh, force, task force. They just don't have a lot of people. And if you do have that information, what do you do? Because going to Libya, part of a Libyan family, is not itself illegal, So, unless you have something.
0: So, this is from Eric Bolling this morning. Good morning, friends. He's a host on Fox News. has a new show called The Specialists that he does with Kat Timp, our friend uh, and a former uh, guest here. uh, And uh, Ebony Williams, Ebony Williams. Um, Good morning, friends. Terror on the European continent due to loose immigration strategy and PC culture. Let's not become Europe. Hashtag MAGA.
2: Um. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Pen- that's... Penetrating analysis. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, it's this desire to have one
0: explanation for this. Yeah. Uh, or or one solution for this. Can I point out, by the way, that the
3: United Kingdom isn't the continent? Uh, he mm. says terror on the European continent. Terror on
0: the European continent. When we talk
3: about the continent, we mean... Uh, Places that aren't the yeah. United Kingdom, continental. And, and, yes, Europe. Con- continental Europe. Um, we don't expect that level of nuance from somebody who looks like he's a JV lacrosse coach, uh, <laughs> with his shirt unbuttoned to his navel and dribbling. At, you know, it's it, the, the man is the man is quite literally. Um, and I know this um, also from sources within that organization. I'm going to be the Gabe Sherman of this conversation. Breaking news about Fox, largely considered in the building one of the dumbest people oh on God. that city block, from multiple sources. By the way, Jeez. Uh, look, I, it's true. Have you ever seen the guy on TV? He I mean, looks I like have. he's having a stroke. Oh, he's
0: just <laughs> yelling about you know his hair slicked back. He's like a like a classic evil character, right? He, and he flipped from being like. Johnny Rand Paul. He was Rand Paul's like guy there in that, in that building. Uh, And how do you go from being like the champion of Rand Paul two years ago to the champ to the hashtag MAGA on your tweets? Oh, I know. It happens all Mm. over. Rank opportunism. Okay.
3: Um, These, uh, Fox is of course uh, building full and we're going to talk about uh, that network in a little bit where you guys both used to have a show Uh Um, and I've been on the network quite a bit myself. Um,
2: You know, that- you may never get invited uh, back after uh, this Yeah,
3: you know, I really don't. I I think it's probably, the building's probably on fire right now, as we speak, The recent news coming out of there, but I, I I will say that there's a number of people over there that that, that masqueraded as conservatives and all of a sudden are um, drooling at the prospect of of you know um, every Donald Trump policy, none of which even have uh, glancing overlap with uh, traditional conservatism. But back to the to the Manchester thing, um, you know, there's when I got a message from somebody uh, that's I, I can't remember where I was, but I wasn't in front of my uh, computer. Um, and somebody said something about the Ariana Grande concert. Did Mm -hmm. you see that? And I immediately, this is the kind of time that we live in. I immediately knew it was a terror attack. Somebody said, you see the Ariana Grande concert thing? And it wasn't like, oh, somebody ran naked on stage and did a cartwheel or something is what you'd presume maybe in 1978. Mm. I was like, okay, what blew up and where? And immediately, of course, it was Manchester. And then you have the, um, for people who are listen, listening to the show for the first time too We do talk a lot about media and criticize um, our own comrades in the media But what ends up happening in the immediate aftermath of this Is Twitter is flooded with self-righteous messages from journalists Don't jump to conclusions And then the fake thing where you make it about you And talk about how you're going to go give blood um, Which nobody ever needs uh, in situations like this um, Because usually number one, they have good stocks of blood And number two, um, people die in, in that close proximity to somebody blowing up a vest with ball bearings in it and nails in it um, so that was the, the 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 first thing is you have it you know don't jump to conclusions not all Muslims you know the you know the, mm-hmm. the kind of rote script that you go through but if you're a little more clever you get to the root causes thing and you try to figure out why this 23 year old Brit who grew up in the United Kingdom was so angry that he decided to kill teenage girls. And if you get if you ever get to the point where you're asking that question, stop yourself, you know, take a breath and realize that you're not very smart and that this is how dumb people pretend to be clever to ask these deeper questions about what we could have done. And you know, I have a slightly kind of th- a thing that I have mocked for many years and I'm starting to mock a lot less. The formulation after 9-11 was something that the Bush administration said is they hate us for our freedoms. And we joked about this and we laughed about it. And I use this as a punchline. And I'm starting to believe that there is a, a, a certain amount of truth to it. The formulation itself is bad, right? Our freedoms. What does that mean? It's a sort of, you know, eagle clutching a flag and, you know, this, this ridiculous kind of things that you see on the back of a Ford F-150, you know? That I don't believe that sort of thing, but there is a certain element to this where they don't like our culture, and it is an offense to them in so many ways. So if you come to the United Kingdom, if you come to Germany, and you bask in all of the the freedoms that one that is associated with. Liberal democratic capitalism. That's why we have money. That's why we have stability. That's why our region, I say our because I lived in Europe for a long time. um, That's why that region, I should say, is a sort of sea of tranquility in comparison to where a lot of these people who are blowing up bombs, particularly where their parents come from, that's why. So you take advantage of this sort of thing. And then for some reason, because of an ideological reason, cloaked in religion and sort of half religion, half ideology, um, you end up loathing it and hating it. And then you choose your targets, right? And this is the thing where they hate our freedom. They don't like the society in which they were born and had all the advantages of becoming a 23 year old with you know proper food and without <laughs> without you having an arm blown off at any time and why do you attack a concert of 15 year old girls and this Ariana Grande thing. There's something about that choice. We have to think about these things, right? Dylan Roof cho- chose a black church for a reason. Obviously, he was a fanatical, genocidal racist, right? You choose this place in the same way the Bataclan attack in France chose a concert of the Eagles of Death Metal. In the statement from ISIS, it, it what was it? it said something about this house of prostitution and lasciviousness and mm-hmm.
0: licentiousness and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I would add just a, the Nice truck attack uh, where they knew it was a Bastille Day thing. They knew there was going to be a place with a lot of strollers. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there, there you're ch- exactly chosen with that. Knowledge. So
3: you're trying to attack children, number one, because of the horror of it. And then you can say, well, you bomb our children. Um, Well, you know, the funny thing about how how mentally incapacitated these people are, this guy grew up in a Libyan neighborhood which was opposed a fanatically uh, anti-Qaddafi area and Apparently, his family was the same way. And the bombing children and the bombing of anything, the United, United Kingdom did that recently in Libya to depose Gaddafi. So one would think that he would be rather celebratory. But it's beyond that because it's not about these. They're not thinking in a, in a sort of Kissinger way about foreign policy. They're dolts. And, you know, I'll give the president some amount of credit and say they are losers. And that is actually true. But they're dolts in this and they're not thinking about this in this complex way. They're thinking about it more in a civilizational way, so why do to, 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 you know radical Muslims say it's horrible? America? well, you know we saved Muslims in in, in Bosnia during during um, the 1990s. Well, they don't care about that. We fought on the side of the Mujahideen to our great sort of problematic history of you know funding the Mujahideen. No credit for that. It's really not about that in the long run. Thank you for your help. Now you're next. And the reason you t- attack these places is they're symbols. Also of the type of culture that they loathe young girls and crop tops and dancing like, you know, remember the first thing that happens when, when, when ISIS towns are liberated, you see people burning, um, you know, niqabs and burqas in the street and men smoking cigarettes Mm -hmm. because these are the things that you cannot do. And you, if you believe and subscribe to that ideology and you want to live in the Islamic state, in the caliphate, and you want to travel there and you can't quite do it. And you look around yourself and you see Ariana Grande and you see, you know, drunk British men, which kind of hard to avoid in Manchester. I used to live there for a short period of time, incidentally in the neighborhood that this guy wasn't from in Fallowfield. And you know, it's, we so desperately want to, take all of this ideological stuff and, and, and impose our own ideology on it. If I don't like American foreign policy choices, I'm going to say this guy who I heard of three hours ago also didn't like it. We, we immediately know more about the terrorist motives mm-hmm. and correct their motives because we want our own motives to kind of work in concert with theirs. It's a kind of a weird system where we're saying root causes is more about your own ideology and how, you know, the root cause is this thing that I hate, they hate it too. They're scumbags. I'm
0: not. If we stop doing that, it'll all go away. Not true. It's not going to ever happen. There was a uh, 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 I, after a nine eleven. There's the, the kind of the the big explosion of. Uh uh, web blogs uh, war blogs as I I, I, I sadly uh, coined that term I think <laughs> uh, in the in the world um, and I feel some regret over but part of the explosion of commentary from people was uh, re, was use of blogging technology but it was also intense dissatisfaction with the level of commentary that we saw on cable news and in op-ed sections of the newspaper. And I remember this, and I can go and get my blood boiling again if I went back and looked, not just at my own uh, intemperate rantings at the time, which uh, have, you know, I disagree with one or two percent of it post facto, but there is this concept of huge terrible thing happens which just proves that the one thing that I've been paying attention to or the one uh, argument that I've had is more right than ever sure. so like at that moment Ariana Huffington was uh, her big thing was about how um, I think she wrote one of her many terrible books her books are as bad as as oh, a, a, any any ri- writer in the western hemisphere but, she's writing books about sleep now uh, yeah exactly like how uh, you should take a nap instead of reading this book I think it was well, the, the book, the book induces one. the nap uh, she at that time Was about all, all her thing was like The problem with America Is that we're all participating There's too many polls So uh, obviously politicians Are too poll driven She literally wrote a column Right after 9-11 Saying And this is why You know We shouldn't answer Poll questions Over the phone It's just like Fucking change The script A little bit It doesn't necessarily Prove the one thing That you've been talking about All along Have a little bit of humility And and uh, and recognize The complexity of the world And that Not everything Is just more validation for whatever your priors were before a big terrible thing happened,
2: Camille. No, no, I, I love all of this. Um, certainly, confirmation bias is a thing, um, and journalists, uh, polit- politicians, um, and uh, regular everyday citizens of various countries um, are constantly trying to find ways um, to utilize like the latest, uh, the latest big story to confirm the things they already believe about the world. Um, with respect to this attack, um, and perhaps this will this will start to, to take us on a journey a little further afield um, as well uh, but with respect to this attack I mean clearly there are goals that an organization like Isis has sure um, and we've talked in the past about um, just terrorism uh, their their goal of, of eliminating the gray zone of creating a uh, a chasm between, um, say, Muslims and the rest of the world, and particularly Muslims who live in the West, um, who see themselves as part of as a part of that community, to try to drive a wedge between them um, and the 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 rest of the citizenry of the nation that they live in. Um, and the degree to which, you know, an attack like this, the more heinous and disgusting and gross it is, um, the degree to which those attacks can actually work in towards ISIS's stated goal by um, creating space for an oversimplified narrative um, about how these particular people are hmm. the real problem, about how immigration um, into the country from other parts of the world is the real problem, um, about how we need to maintain and perhaps do some sort of preemptive enforcement um, with respect to these these monitoring lists of, say, Muslim people. Um, I mean, the degree to which that is effective, like, is something that's of pretty significant importance, and I suspect that a lot of the reason for the the root causing um, is also not just confirmation bias, but also a, a degree of discomfort with talking about this really complicated fact that there is a, a problem with terrorism related to Islam. In particular parts of the world, like we have seen conflicts that have these underlying religious components to them. And it is complicated for people to talk about. And it's difficult for people to talk about in some cases without feeling as though they might be invoking some of the rhetoric of some extreme right wing faction Mm. um, or some extreme nationalist anti- uh, Muslim faction. Uh, Are you I, talking
0: about Morrissey again? Uh, <laughs> yeah, of, that's of.
4: right.
3: I will. Um, I will say this one thing. I don't think it's it's um, been successful in any way, uh, because we often hear this. That, what's what's been successful? Well, Sorry. we we often hear this that ISIS's goal is to divide and to create this hatred and stir up this hatred. Um, I think that that's maybe partially true. I think it's also to kill the kuffar, to kill the infidel, uh, to sow some sort of chaos. Um, yeah, sure. The division doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work in so many ways is that is that if you have somebody who is coming out of that cauldron of hatred and stupidity which is salafist islam and radical islamism somebody's coming out of that they tend to do a one to one translation they think you are like me but I, you have different views you, mm-hmm. you are you are an apostate you're or you are a kufar meaning you're you know you're an unbeliever etc the the difference is is that we are better than them in a kind of intellectual sense in a sort of Post enlightenment sense. So, what happens is when you blow up you, um, your children, the instinct now. Um, I saw this interview on Channel 4, uh, the British TV channel the other day, of this, like, Mon- Moncuni, like, I can't fucking divide us right, like, I can't fucking do it. And like he's going on and he's like getting weepy and all this stuff. And you notice what happens to to, to the West is that France has had almost 240, 200, almost 250 people murdered by Islamist nutbags in the past two years, in two years, right? Think about that. They have an election, and 60-odd percent goes to the boring technocrat Emmanuel Macron. The far-right, Le Penis, get them out of the country, cannot even come close to that, right? Same thing is true. There is no far-right party in Britain. The closest you get uh, would be UKIP. The entire premise of the party is about... Brexit and basically wrote them out of, uh, themselves out of existence by that Brexit going vote going through. We, there's no version of that in the UK. Yurt wielders in in um, the Netherlands uh, couldn't win that election. Went up for sure, and I've talked about this. There's a, a rise in all these parties, but not enough to tip the balance. Right. And there really hasn't been the backlash since uh, since 9 uh, 11. I mean, think about this. 9 11, there were a couple of really really horrible and hateful incidents after a Sikh guy was killed, I think at a gas station in either Arizona or New Mexico. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, we've talked about on the temple. Yeah. We've talked yeah. about this on the show before is that, you know, our racists are so bad. They can't even get the right fucking religion. <laughs> it's like, is a Sikh close enough. I mean, are you seriously?
0: Did you see that Cosmo tweet, by the way?
3: No, what Cosmo?
0: Uh, the Cosmo, Cosmopolitan uh, magazine, af- right after the um, uh, uh, bombing in Manchester, took a picture of a guy um, it was offering free taxi rides A taxi oh, yeah. driver yeah. Um, And it was like See look This Muslim guy here Is oh. offering I mean, Was it a Sikh? A, it was a Sikh yeah. And there they knew go. it They knew yeah. it It yeah. was a Sikh It's amazing yeah. So
3: I mean it's amazing like, th- There are in, Into the 9-11 point And we've talked about this In the show before And if you're listening to this On Sirius for the first time Go back to the archives There's a lot of catching up You so have to do So much So
0: much slurring So
3: much slurring and drunkenness This is a morning <laughs> episode Where we're being Cogent, coherent And caffeinated Um nicely, it's 11-12 Medicated yeah. so Medicated Medicated for some of us. Um, But there wasn't a big um, backlash. So uh, there's an an instinct that we have after these attacks to to have 45 million uh, admonishments from from knowing and nodding journalists about Islamophobia. Let's not do it. Let's not do it, etc. You know, guys. It, it it's worthy to to warn warn against this stuff because there are some really horrible racist people out there who flatten a religion and believe 1.6 billion people are all the same that said uh, you know is it do we have that bad of a track record on this no, not that bad. Well,
0: let me uh, 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 slightly uh, challenge the end ex- of that. I, I don't want to excuse the fact that people are horrible.
3: I think you're right.
0: Thing. And and I've written about this. Um, you know, there was this, this this expectation by everybody, it seemed, including me, at the time that we would have this sort of violent anti-Muslim backlash post 9-11. And in fact, um, Gustav Niebuhr wrote a book about this, um, uh, the, I think the uh, the nephew or grandson of Reinhold Niebuhr, uh, talking about the post 9-11 kind of miracle of the opposite happening. There's a lot of interfaith, um, uh, you know, a discussion and dialogue and people went out of their way to learn about. I mean, the New York Times bestseller list in October, November of, of 2001 was just filled with, you know, Bernard Lewis books. And it was all about yeah. like understanding Islam. Like people just reached out and like, OK, I want to learn. Um, but there was some this weird delayed reaction. Like 10 years later, and I think uh, I, I, I will date it to the 9-11 mosque controversy, in which some of our friends were uh, uh, you know, on, kind of on the wrong side of, in, in my opinion. Really? Who? Gutfeld. Among others I mean Gutfeld had the funniest thing uh, About it It was like uh, Okay you can open the mosque But we're going to open A strip joint across the street Which I think is the correct I think it was a gay bar Yeah Yeah. A a gay strip joint Something like that But um, no uh, People There came this Sort of delayed backlash Where you have all these uh, Local legislators Passing anti-sharia law You know Measures In in Arkansas Like, uh, You know what You're not going to get Sharia in Arkansas That's just not going to Going to happen And part of that Delayed backlash Informed the Trump phenomenon Phenomenon. so it's true uh, yeah. uh, uh there's an aspect of trumpism and let's forget like we need to stop immigration from these countries until we know what's going on mm-hmm. um and i want to use this as an opportunity to pivot because i have kind of an open question for michael and and, uh, and maybe uh camille as well here about trump's trip uh mm-hmm. out there right so he goes to saudi arabia
2: saudi arabia israel vatican city like uh, which is
0: kind of you know as as a concept it's kind of baller just to go to the to the the, the three capitals of a uh, religion uh there uh but uh He goes out and sends kind of mixed messages about U.S. foreign policy and terrorism. On one hand, he says um, in a way that was kind of music to my less interventionist than than most people uh, ears of like, hey, this is stuff that you're going to have to solve on your own here. We're not going to tell you necessarily what to do in your countries, although uh, we'll talk about this later with the Philippines. Uh, He will selectively tell you what you should do with your countries, especially if you're doing the bad thing in some cases. Uh, But like you, we need to. Uh, You know We have to concentrate On going after this Radical terrorism And extremism um, But it's also something That you're going to Have to do yourself But uh, my impression From it Was that it was Very selective And it was just Very Sunni tilted And very Mm -hmm. Saudi tilted Uh Like we are You know You're going to have To solve it on your own Here's a bunch of weapons Keep high-fiving You know Whatever you're doing In Yemen right now And we're not going to Tell you what to do But we are going to say From Saudi soil That uh, uh, Iran is the, the Worst place on earth And they're doing too much terrorism these kind of things it struck me as just this uh, uh, an odd disconnect he's just retilting an, as he um, was doing a sword dance yeah <laughs> so, a sword dance. so this
2: is so the so the so the, so the internet the first international trip of the the Trump administration takes him from Saudi Arabia to Israel to Vatican City I believe there's also a NATO trip um, yeah. that's sandwiched in there which yeah. probably will have occurred by the time you hear this podcast um but in Saudi Arabia he announces uh, and actually it, it's announced before the deal is struck before A massive deal, uh, an arms deal uh, in which the United States is going to be selling uh, very sophisticated weaponry, ships, Abrams tanks to the Saudis, uh, which we have an expectation will almost certainly be utilized um, in some of their ongoing conflicts, uh, some of which are worth paying specific attention to. Um, But Matt, you mentioned uh, Trump's speech, which he gave there. Um, to the uh, Arab-Islamic-American Summit in Riyadh. Uh, This is the capital of Saudi uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, But some of the quotes that stood out, um, that this is, uh, he was articulating America's vision for peace, security, and prosperity in the region, um, and says that America will not seek to impose its way of life on others, that America is a sovereign nation, and our first priority is always the safety and security of our citizens. Uh, We are not here to lecture you, we are not here to tell other people how to live or what to do or how to worship. Instead, we are looking for partnership. Um, and the line that that really jumped out to me um, from the speech was when he he talked about seeking partners, not perfection, um, which strikes me as a little bit potentially problematic. Um, the the proposition that you go to Saudi Arabia, a country that has participated in in. I think it's fair to say like atrocities, human rights violations and their prosecution
0: on a um, weekly basis. Yeah. yeah,
2: in their prosecution of uh, of military, um, military engagement throughout the region. Um, Clearly, the United States is pivoting back towards Saudi Arabia in a way from sort of the the softer position um, that the Obama administration had taken on Iran. And Trump is pushing back hard in the other direction, which is, I suppose, more of a a sort of historical status quo position. Selling arms to the Saudis is nothing new. Yeah, it wasn't interrupted during the Obama Um, administration. But but one wonders, I mean, the truth of the matter is that throughout the region, that words like terrorist are conveniently used for any recalcitrant segment of the population that you are interested in suppressing, in which case – By saying to them publicly in a forum like this, we're not looking for perfection, we're looking for partnership, we don't really care what you do. Of course, we'll sell you $100 billion in arms today. Which is equivalent to the hundred to uh, exactly what the Obama administration, as I imagine, as I understand it, sold over the course of the entire eight years, um, is the deal that was just struck. In fact, I believe that the upper bound of this deal was something like two hundred no three hundred and fifty billion dollars is what they plan to spend over ten years um, on U.S. arms. Um, We are getting drawn into this conflict in perhaps a, a more direct way. Is is this a, a more significant? I mean, we're always when we've been, we've, we've always been, been engaged. Yeah, we've been
3: engaged in the Saudi relationship, and I there, there used to be a time a long time ago uh, where Matt Welch was one of the great uh, enemies of America's uh, relationship with still the am, Saudis. Still, still are, still and, and Donald Trump for that matter. And well, and Donald Trump too. Um, I, I find the whole the whole spectacle to be, you know. Embarrassing in, to, to see the, you know, who is essentially our most secular president in, in recent memory going to the uh, three capitals of uh, great world religions uh, and then giving a speech, uh, I believe written by Stephen Miller, uh, about Islam in Saudi Arabia. I mean, Stephen Miller, of course, is the guy who uh, wrote that dark, grim inauguration speech and who got his cut his teeth as a disciple of David Horowitz uh, and brought is Islamo fascism awareness week to the Duke <coughs> University campus. And now is writing mealy mouth speeches um, while at the same time giving hand jobs to the Saudis. I mean, it shows you I mean, it's it shows you what people we talk about draining the swamp, or they talk about draining the swamp. About what kind of swamp DC is, we tend to think about this in the sort of libertarian sense of that you know the graft and the corruption and the money that's you know the forty thousand dollar toilet seats on Air Force One. I think of it as swampish and disgusting in the ways that everybody is so malleable. Mm-hmm. You get to DC, and it's it's one thing to change your opinion to get you know a slightly different position inside your own insurance company. But it's a rather different thing to be Stephen Miller and go from Islamo-fascism awareness week to, you know, these uh, these uh, Muslims they are really uh, sketchy people, as Trump was saying during the campaign, than to uh, delivering this fake statesman-like speech uh, in Saudi Arabia. I mean, it, it also, of course, is the other people in the administration, as we were previously talking about, um, maybe I think before we started recording today, that that uh, the number of people who were conservatives or people who were free market people who – Really desperately wanted a, 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 a slice Steve of this pie. The, yeah. And all like Stephen Moore, guys like this, who are supply siders, Reaganites, who are now all of a sudden saying, you know, populism is great, protectionism is great. Our relationship with the Middle East, in, in particular Middle Eastern countries, we cannot put any chips on any color or number because when Donald Trump visits those people, that might change because he is somebody who's dumb enough to see a deal and everything, the art of the deal. He thinks everything is a deal. He keeps getting played in all these deals, by the way. This, too. Is, a,
0: this is a really important point. So, uh, I mean, he's going to be his vision of realism, um, which is the foreign policy tradition that he's allegedly kind of going towards and i'm i'm happy with that i'm not a realist myself michael's been marinating in realism for a <laughs> upcoming documentary that he's doing revised uh but uh uh i'm fine with that as a concept but that's yeah. actually not what they're doing realism smart realism actually begins with the collection and dissemination of the facts mm-hmm. uh and with a sense of knowledge about what things are and then you kind of look where uh american interests are and you behave accordingly uh trump is uh, naive so he doesn't he's Every new thing that he discovers, he he acts as if he's the first one to discover it, whether it's priming the pump or God knows what else. But he does this in foreign policy and he's done this on this trip. But he's so transactional in nature. He so much wants the deal, no matter what the deal is. Israel, Palestine, you know, mm-hmm. are gonna he's going to do that deal. But in Saudi Arabia, so who gets who gets privileged uh, in the court of a transactional president? Exactly those countries, those regimes who have mastered the art of transactions. That is the House of Saud. They've been doing this since the 1930s. They know exactly how to play American politics. Prince Bandar used to walk around with 20 suitcases full of secrets that he had had because they always make themselves indispensable with back channel negotiations all throughout the Middle East, especially having to do with Israel. Um, And also they've been involved in any skullduggery. If there's any ever a secret arms deal over there, the Saudis were always in the middle of it. Because they want leverage over Washington. And so, of course, they're great transactions. The Trump people, Stephen Miller among them, who don't doesn't know shit and mm-hmm. hasn't been around the world and isn't kind of aware of this beyond a cartoonish kind of bumper sticker, Muslim suck kind of level. I'm sure they went there and like, wow, you know what? These people were really – into they know what they're talking about. Uh, Trump yeah. had a comment of uh, the what, whatever the – uh, the the sultan king the jackass name was like you know i talked to that man and you know what i he really does want peace They convince every single American they're good at that thing. So if you're a naive transactionalist, you are going to let the people who are good at this and have mastered that rise up. And it's Saudi fucking Arabia. It It, is a terrible, nasty country, which, by the way, it's still kind of relevant to point this out. 15 of the 19 hijackers If you are going to talk about terrorism and Saudi Arabia in the same speech. And you don't talk about that. What the fuck are you well, doing? You've well, stopped yeah. doing that
2: since the campaign ended.
3: And you're also giving this this kind of ecumenical speech to the Saudis, uh, which is the, the sort of center of Wahhabism in the world, the birthplace of all of this stuff, and fund Wahhabist uh, uh, mosques around the world, which is a great incubator of uh sunni terrorism and you know the thing about trump is and it's and it's important to remember this this used to be just a slur but it's increasingly now a a terrifying prospect that the, the, the president is and i mean this very straightforwardly the president is not a smart person The president believes that he's a great deal maker. He is not. Um, And we see that, you know, even in his private business transactions, despite the fact that real estate in New York is a rather different animal than getting, you know, uh, Kim Jong-un not to to turn uh, Seoul into a parking lot of flattened Kias. This is a very, very different world that he's living in. But the incredible thing about how kind of thick he is about this, we used to say, not we, but people used to say that. Well, it's OK. He'll surround himself with good people. Two problems with this is he's surrounded himself with a lot of bad people. There are some good and decent people in there. I think H.R. McMaster is, is – is, I b- believe in the consensus that he's a pretty decent guy and a smart guy. And I actually read his book on Vietnam. is very good. But the problem also is that he is the boss. And he believes that government – we see that with this with sort of this initial glut of executive orders. What he believes he can do in the Comey investigation, fire things and make, firing people to make things go away – he believes himself to be the kind of imperial president. So he surrounds himself with good people, but they are still, and I don't believe that to be true, but they are still at the whims of a mercurial kind of infant who doesn't know anything. You notice this, he says this about, you know, Sultan bin scumbag, (laughs) that he's the greatest person on the planet. And then you have um, the meeting with Xi Jinping where he says, oh my God, this guy, what a, what a, really, you're a guy, you've taught me so much. In a 20-minute meeting, in, 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 and Xi Jinping is sitting there going, like, I cannot believe I'm doing this. I can't, I can't believe the, how stupid this guy is. It reminds me of that old SNL Wh- sketch. Why can't we get a Chinese accent? Well, because uh, we're on serious now.
2: Um, <laughs> because,
3: well, they do have, like, you know, Opie and Anthony or whatever, opening <laughs> Opie and Jimmy or whoever it is now. But, you know, at this point— <laughs> At this point, when you have it, it he's doing the same thing. The, oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And this phone call with Duterte um, where this uh, uh, transcript is leaked. By the way, it's leaked to The Intercept. Now you know you're really leaky when Glenn Greenwald and <laughs> the sort of it's lefties. Glenn, at the Glenn
2: Greenwald gets a lot of leaks.
3: He does. But insane. I mean, uh, from the Trump, I, I think and it might It might have been uh, leaked from the Filipino side. I don't remember. But, um, but in that, he said, oh, you know, uh, the Chinese, they're great. Xi Jinping, good guy, he's going to help us out. And Duterte is just like, uh-huh, yep, that's great. And the Chinese, of course, in the Filip- Filipinos have a very, shall we say, tough and contentious relationship, mm-hmm. especially in the South China Sea. But he doesn't know any of this. So he goes in there hot, like, you guys
0: are the best. Love you. Love the drug war stuff you're doing, killing all those people. Uh, let, me, let me read the exact quote. Yeah. Because it's incredible, actually. I just wanted to congratulate you because I am hearing of the unbelievable job on the drug problem. Many countries have a problem. We have a problem. But what a great job you are doing. And I just wanted to call and tell you that Um, this is the scourge of my nation now. And I have to do something to preserve. Scourge? Yeah. Scourge. 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 Uh, Sounds like a place in England. (laughs) He's from (laughs) fucking (laughs) scourge. And he also says, and I think we had a previous president who did not understand that. But I understand that. Yeah. Um, Duterte and his uh, uh,
3: merry band of psychopaths have killed uh, 9000 plus people without any trials or due process. or think right. like maybe some of them had it, but don't trust those to be
2: fair. And, you know, we're talking about a president who bragged about throwing somebody out of a helicopter. And he also bragged, admitted uh, on several different occasions to riding around uh, the city at night, like helping to lead these uh, squads that were carrying out executions on the street. Um, yeah. And shooting yeah. people yeah. on the street. And keep in um, mind himself. that Trump's
0: own State Department has been issuing, like, uh, uh, alarmed statements about, like, wow, you guys are going way too far, extrajudicial killings, it's a serious problem, and all these kind of stuff. Trump, whatever, I'll just call him and, and say you're doing a great job. And by the way, it's this is um,
3: one of those things that when you're at a company and and, and you're going to complain about your boss, and you say, oh, you just take it, do you have a Gmail account? Everybody knows this. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's ever worked at a big company, what's your Gmail so because it's off the company servers, right? And this is probably what Trump's going to start thinking. Like, every time he's like, hey, Duterte, let's fucking kill some drugs. Oh, my God. Um, Do you, you have, like, a cell phone? Do you have, like, a flip phone? <laughs>
0: you got a burner. I, you got a burner? Yeah,
3: because this you got a track phone? Because, seriously, everybody in here, like, just leaks everything and they're listening. But it is really amazing, the leaks. And the, the, I saw a response from some uh, conservative on, on, on Twitter when that, a thing leaked, and uh, I, I can't remember who it was. Maybe maybe Roger Kimball, uh, who said, like, whoever leaked this should be uh, jailed. Uh, you know, my first instinct is like that the president is pra- praising the murderous thug that is leading the Philippines right now. And there's yeah. there's
2: a, there's actually a lot of that um, now. And we've we've seen reports that when the president gets home, there's going to be some uh, housekeeping, um, house cleaning and uh, or housekeeping as well, I suspect. And uh, we may see some old faces return um, to uh, to the White House, some old familiar uh, Trump. Uh, henchmen uh, who know how to clean up uh, clean up bad things Um, but but with respect to all of these nasty characters that the United States has relationships with the Saudis um, various other people I mean this is not new right correct we we know that previous administrations the last one the one before that the one before that um, by which I mean Obama the Clintons Bush both Bushes in fact um, like we've had relationships with unsavory people to what extent Is Trump reaching out to um, essentially reversing his himself um, with respect to the Saudis um, and reaching out to really nasty people in other parts of the world? Just part of what you do in Washington in order to try and achieve various geopolitical uh, goals and objectives. And let me rephrase
0: your question, uh, 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 even kind of on the nose, too, is um, to what extent is media outrage at this completely selective as if sure. as if this is the first time that we've ever been in bed with thugs? I mean, I think some of it, like the Philippines call is just above and beyond where we usually go he's He went out of his way. Apropos of nothing, to praise a guy for doing something that everybody recognizes is a human rights
2: and he's atrocity, done it, and he's done it multiple times. Despite the fact that he has not only been criticized by members of his own State Department, but there has been like criticism from the mainstream media every single time he has said something seemingly supportive of a dictator or some other monster someplace else on the planet. But it's it's a uh, it's
0: it, it makes. My skin crawl, not as much as Camille's, because I think you have a a heightened sensitivity to this that exceeds my own. But when you see all of the uh, Obama... Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Staffers, you know, just tut tut on uh, Twitter and elsewhere, um, saying, you know, what Obama would never go to a, a repressive Muslim country and not, you know, directly confront them about all of their human rights abuses. I,
3: I mean, look, not only is that wrong, and I mean, I think that 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 Trump's uh, dealings and and the effusive out front praise is sort of, you know, qualitatively different than one would see in the past. I mean, most people at least had the dignity not to do that. And not, not, to
0: pub- not to do the sword dance? You know, they're
3: not doing it publicly he's, in the sense not, of... That. He's not good
0: at these things. He's not good at these things.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the Obama administration, I mean, I spoke to um, a number of people who negotiated the Iran deal, and I asked them the, the same question of, like, why in the Iran deal? And I don't have a negative perception of the Iran deal that... Um, a lot of people, I mean, Trump says the worst deal ever signed, complete nonsense, but I, I, I'm, I'm negative about it, but not wholly negative, about it. I think there's some good things about it. But in that, when I, as two people in particular that were v- very high level negotiators here, why didn't you get some concessions on human rights, particularly Americans mm-hmm. who have gone missing into, into prisons, et cetera, there, they said, well, that's a different thing. We didn't we didn't entangle those things like, well, you know, you had the squeeze on these guys where the sanctions are really starting to bite. And they came to the table and they came to the table and delayed their nuclear program by about 10 years for the purposes of getting pallets full of cash, um, you know, flown into the airport in Tehran. If you want to do that, and I think there's some arguments for and against this. Why not, you know, talk to them about human rights? I think that's also bad. I think it's also bad to, to, to negotiate with people when you can, you know, Cuba is another great example. Yep. The opening to Cuba, which I think was the right thing to do, but you have these people over a barrel. They really, really would love American tourism dollars, uh, more American agriculture coming into Cuba. Get Get a little something for it. Don't be like, you know, let me be clear. This is the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do. But because it's the right thing to do doesn't mean you don't get something for it. These are not mutually exclusive things. I mean, say, hey, here are 25, 35, 55, 100 people that should be let out of prison pronto. And then you know what? You're going to have a lot more cash in your country. Do it. Why was that so hard? We got nothing in return for that. It's sort of the the complaint um, that happened in 1972 when Nixon went to China. It was like, you know, we're we're sort of exacerbating this China that this Sino-Soviet split. And it was a great stroke of genius, but we didn't really get anything from the Chinese for it. We could have gotten some concessions in a in a broader sense. But Cuba, nothing opening uh, to, uh you know and then you get uh, you know Oscar Lopez is released from prison in the last couple of days and is going to be like the marshal of the fucking Puerto Rican Day parade here the FALN terrorist oh, what are we that's getting that's the controversy yeah that's the controversy oh, okay what are you getting for this stuff what are you getting for this stuff and you know i think that's the the, the flip side of that is equal, equally as profane and perverse in which you're getting small concessions and dealing with monsters i mean do we do we need the saudis as much as as much as uh, donald trump thinks we do i don't know if he thinks much about it at all actually I don't. I think he sees some dollar signs and some business deals, and it and, and says and, Iran, Iran, Iran. Yeah, I mean, yeah, really I mean he it.
0: he came in as I mean, he campaigned as being uh, Iran, 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 and and yeah. his and his people, all the Sebastian Gorkas and this kind of stuff, they've been super Iran fo- focused, mm-hmm. uh, and so the Saudi thing fits into that pre existing kind of uh, uh, destroy
3: ideology. Bashar al-Assad. Uh, you know, that's the the Iranian. Um, uh, pal right there in the region who's making enormous gains. And if you want to do that, why don't you want to destroy side? Oh well, then you have gonna piss off the Russians. There's so a, there's there's a, a funda- this stuff's complicated. And a, he's starting to realize this stuff
0: that. is complicated, and there's a fundamental incoherence thing. I w- went to an off-the-record uh, discussion with a seniorish um, uh, Trump administration uh, official last week, and uh, reiter- reiter- reiterated two things, um, and the, they are kind of at tension at the very least one is that hey we're not going to be interventionist we are not going to be a uh, neoconservative uh, we're going to like be more america first um so it's not going to be as adventurous as before um and then at the same time he said and no more leading from behind we're going to reverse those eight years of uh, terrible wilderness uh where we let you know would you want any other country to be out there um you know uh, taking a leading role in the world in various parts? No, we wouldn't want that. Obviously, my question was like, oh, so th- let's talk about Central Europe and Russia. And uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. he deflected immediately and started talking about how uh, its uh, Brexit was great, as if yeah. that's those are related sure. uh, issues at all, which they're not, um, except in his uh, uh, small mind. But uh, that is that is the incoherence. And Trump will be, I think, governing from this point of foreign policy incoherence, where you can impress the Eric Bollings of the world, like, America's great again, hashtag MAGA, um, Um, But it's this mix of withdrawal and selective, like overcompensatory
2: intervention. Yeah. I'm wondering if we should take a trip back to the United States. Uh, We know that the president has been trying to get his health care reform, reform legislation. Uh, Now that it's through the House, they celebrated as if they had actually enacted legislation, which was weird. Um, But it's. Still not through the Senate. They won't um, get through the Senate, and it likely won't get through the Senate. That yeah. uh, I, I would probably stand behind that bold prediction. Um, but now this week we actually get the uh, the first full budget from the Trump administration, uh, a massive, massive tome, um, which which kind of had everyone freaking the hell out. Um, some of the, the headlines yesterday from um, CNN, Trump budget $800 billion in Medicaid cuts. Um, and you just kept seeing these like sort of startling, galling numbers at the top, just suggesting that the Trump administration was heartless monsters who are making cuts all over the place. It didn't really seem like there was a hell of a lot of Thoughtful analysis going into most of the pieces that were um, being manufactured yesterday, uh, in the wake of this tome being dropped. And I say tome because for whatever reason, we are still printing out these budgets. Most of the shots that I saw yesterday, uh, in in the uh, B roll on television and in the uh, photos on various websites, were of people in the uh, congressional printing office printing the brand new uh, glossy Trump budget documents funny because it is almost certainly the case that this thing won't pass no, in any way, shape or form. It's not
0: a piece of legislation. I mean, the, the biggest problem in, in coverage of this, and we saw this back uh, six to eight weeks ago when Trump released the skinny budget. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, led to a round of absolute hysteria from the Nick Kristofs of the world saying I I know now what it must have been like to be in Rome and see the barbarians coming over the hill. I mean, that's literally what he was saying and you know, CNN saying, "With his you know, Donald Trump is eviscerating what remains of the government and all these kind of things. Mm -hmm. All of this, the coverage of it when you're reading it, keep in mind, and I know this is kind of like schoolhouse rock stuff, the president doesn't write budgets. Hmm. He just doesn't. He suggests a budget blueprint, but these 10-year ones are works of absolute fiction. They bear nothing in relation to what happens over 10-year time frames. Just go back and look at Obama's ones, and and, uh, both Obama and uh, George uh, W. Bush – their ten-year budgets were going to uh, narrow um, uh, the, you know, pay, pay down the national debt, so that that really happened. That, yeah. that worked out well for both. They both doubled it, <laughs> um, and Trump is probably uh, 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 going to do that too because Congress is not going to. Uh, First of all, pass those eight hundred billion in Medicaid cuts because that's not actually that's really not in the budget. That's in the the healthcare bill. The healthcare bill. So he
2: was just like the presumption is he that was the healthcare banking, bill is passing.
0: He's banking the healthcare bill that has very little chance of being uh, passed, partly because of me- media response to the eight hundred
2: billion dollars of starving grandma uh-huh. uh, and uh, cuts. Um, but, it's, a- but it's worth underscoring that Matt. So it, it sounds like what what you are saying is the eight hundred billion dollar headline that everyone is seeing every place. It's not actually a thing. It's, what, it's what the not, president is actually suggesting is if you if you pass the health care bill and this new budget, that's where the $800 billion in, in supposed cuts are happening, but not really.
0: Right. So um, the health care bill, which is going to get scored by the Congressional Budget Office um, – I thought that was supposed to come yesterday, or maybe it's going to come today um, – uh, and I'm sure it's going to have a lot of grisly numbers in there in terms of uh, especially uh, the coverage, uh, assume the number of people who are not going to have coverage uh, as a result of this. Um, Today
3: being Wednesday, by the way, yeah. for the people listening on the weekend.
0: So, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you for that. Um, and so uh, it's the the, the health care bill passed the House by uh, the tiniest of margins passed by at least. Uh, voted yes by at least a half a dozen Members of the Freedom Caucus who uh, Like Mark Sanford and Justin Mosh who Actively hate it and have been explaining all the reasons Why it's terrible um, So uh, and then it's going to be substantially Changed in ways that they hate even more If it ever gets passed the Senate which it probably Won't but it's going to be it's polling so Miserably nobody wants that Republicans I'm convinced Actually don't want it to pass the Freedom Caucus wanted to kick the hot Potato into someone else so that they wouldn't Be blamed for not passing it again uh, they didn't want to take All the Trump heat uh, here So um, yes the budget thing Is based on the healthcare thing that, that almost certainly I think won't pass um, And then all the other cuts too Like 30% And this is the exact same thing That happened with the skinny budget mm-hmm. Right 30% cuts in the EPA Oh my god He's going to eviscerate the EPA No Congress ever is going to pass 30% cuts in the Environmental Protection Agency that is not going to happen that agency is politically popular congress needs to win elections every uh, members of congress every 2 years mm-hmm. they're not going to do that OK, all they want out of this, what Congress sees in this budget that's great is two hundred billion dollars for infrastructure that they get to spend from the Treasury. Awesome. Let's make that four hundred billion. Right. They want to spend the money. They want to boost defense spending. Mm-hmm. That's what Congress does. You want to spend more and you don't want to take the political heat for the cuts. So all of the history that you're going to see about this budget. Um, uh, for the most part, is going to be based on something that's not going to pass. The other part that's kind of interesting, um, which is not hysterical uh, except for the in the funny haha sense, is that from what I understand from Wall Street Journal reporting, there's this kind of grotesque uh, count uh, math that's done in this budget, where um, the uh, the assumed tax cuts, which I think are also probably not going to happen, at least not to the size and extent here, because mm-hmm. uh, they're disagreeing a lot about the tax deal, they are kind of not. Uh, even factoring in that if you make a tax cut that big, you might have smaller revenue next year. Right. Um, they're just like they're no, we're, double,
2: we're, double counting it. They're um, d- d- double,
0: double counting like two trillion bucks in yeah. there, which is uh, expecting,
2: which, expecting the growth and the revenue from the tax cut. Totally weird. In addition to that, we also have the relentless congressional inquiry um, into Russian meddling in the United States election and the very specific, narrow question of whether or not there was collusion between the White House or at that time the Trump campaign and perhaps now the White House um, and um, the Russians Um, in this uh, this. Exercise continued yesterday. The former head of the CIA came to testify before the House. Uh, and there were, some, uh, there were some interesting exchanges there. I can actually play some of the audio from
4: that. It should be clear to everyone that Russia brazenly interfered in our 2016 presidential election process and that they undertook these activities despite our strong protests and explicit warning that they not do so.
1: When you learned of Russian efforts... Did you have evidence of a connection between the Trump campaign and Russian state actors?
4: As I said, Mr. Gowdy, I don't do evidence. Uh, And we were uncovering information and intelligence about uh, interactions and contacts between U.S. persons and the Russians. And as we came upon that, we would share it with the Bureau.
1: I appreciate that you don't do evidence, Director Brennan. Um, Unfortunately... That's what I do. That's the word we use. You use the word assessment. You use the word tradecraft. I use the word evidence. Um, And the good news for me is lots of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle use the word evidence, too. Um, One of my colleagues said there is more than circumstantial evidence of collusion between the Russians and the Trump campaign. Now, uh, there are only two types of evidence. They're circumstantial and direct. So if it's more than circumstantial, by necessity, it has to be direct. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of one of my colleagues on the other side of this very committee. Another Democrat colleague on the other side of this committee also used the word evidence, that he has seen evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians. And yet a third California Democrat said she had seen no evidence of collusion. So that's three different members of Congress from the same state using the same word, which is evidence. And that's the word that my fellow citizens understand, evidence. Assessment is, is your vernacular. Tradecraft is your vernacular. You and I both know what the word evidence means. And we're not getting into whether or not you corroborated, contradicted, examined, cross-examined. We're not getting into how you tested and probed the reliability of that evidence. It's a really simple question did evidence exist of collusion, coordination, conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russian state actors at the time you learned of 2016 efforts?
4: I encountered and am aware of information and intelligence that um, revealed contacts and interactions between Russian officials and U.S. persons involved in the a Trump campaign that um, I was concerned about because of known Russian efforts to suborn the, such individuals, and it uh, raised questions in my mind, again, whether or not the Russians were able to gain the cooperation of those individuals. I don't know whether or not such collusion, that's your term, such collusion existed. I don't know. But I know that there was a sufficient basis of information and intelligence that required further uh, investigation by the bureau to determine whether or not U.S. persons were actively conspiring, colluding with Russian officials. So for me, uh, uh, and this might
0: be kind of a, a narrow um, interest, but since they were uh, fighting over like definitions of words uh, there, what is collusion, what is evidence, especially they were, they were going after um, – to me, the the most interesting word that Brennan chose was interference. He hit this really, really hard in his opening statement. He hit this again in cross examination, which is that we have, you know, strong evidence. He didn't say evidence, but uh, um, you know, my initial worries back in August was that Russia was engaging in an unprecedented interference in the U.S. election. I have yet, and and maybe I'm getting too literalist in my old age, interference. To me, is you get in between me and my goal, you change my approach to this thing. Um, uh, what is in? Where's there? There's got to be a continuum here between attempt to influence, um, uh, attempt to corrupt in some way, and interference. And Brennan was insisting over and over again on interference, and yet, from my sense, I haven't seen. Uh, enough uh, evidence I mean the the whole Gowdy was trying to do A gotcha here And and I think Brennan rightly said Hey look I just saw a lot of Communication Enough communication That matched bad patterns Of Russia Trying to get involved In elections before That I forwarded this On to the FBI um, And he didn't uh, Fall for the Gowdy trap Of like you know Give me evidence or, Of collusion Or go to hell Kind of thing um, That's all fine But the interference In the election Did Russia interfere In this election Is that cut and dried To you Moynihan yeah. No, look,
3: I mean, there is, there are a number of great sort of rhetorical tricks here. It's the, and this is all the C words here. There's this great conflation of uh, collusion, uh, corruption and, you know, and contact too would be the mm-hmm. other. Like They have contact with people. You know, that could essentially mean that the FSB or the GRU, any of the Russian intelligence services, contact someone and they say, please piss off. That's contact. I don't know what that means beyond that. I'm slightly skeptical. I'm becoming more skeptical as time goes on because this being the leakiest vessel this White House since the Lusitania was hit by a German missile. I mean, this is like, collapse. I mean, how are we getting no information? This direct information about people's names. They say somebody higher up into the administration. Now, this was a recent one. Is that Jared Kushner? Who is this? Is that you know Sebastian Gorka? We don't know. So, what I think what you know interference could mean, and I think this is probably true. They're trying to interfere in the election by by hacking and releasing you know dnc emails john podesta's emails whatever it might be okay that doesn't seem uh, strange like, to me that sounds like influence but yeah it's it sounds like influence and and we it's this kind of all these rhetorical tricks and 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 you know i saw i can't remember who's saying this um oh it was uh, that um Great intellectual, the Friedrich Hayek of our time, Sean Hannity. Last night, who <laughs> so, was making he was making a that. big uh, announcement, uh, which was that uh, I'm I still have a television show. Shockingly, that was his announcement, um, and he's shutting down his investigation into you know uh, Clinton's murder of Vince Foster or whatever he's on now. <laughs> oh, um, so he like he had this thing of like they're playing these clips, and uh, you know he's like you know I, 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 there are there's no evidence that vote tallies were changed. Well, of course they're they're not. They're, we don't have a networked system like that. I mean, every every county uses a different type of machine using a different operating system. I actually did a piece on this for uh, 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 Vice News Tonight uh, with, a, with a guy talking about how bizarre and antiquated our system is. But that's not the question. No one... I mean, we're, we're moving the goalposts and we're changing the argument, is that if you say, did Donald Trump take money from the FSB? Well, no, good God. Is it, Was there someone... In the White House, who's currently in the White House, well, no, you always have to listen to language. They say associates of the campaign. Roger Stone? Probably, right? I mean, I mean, who are we talking about here? What And then you have to get to the second issue. What kind of influence does a blowhard and a self-promoter like Roger Stone actually have? You know, I keep on mentioning on this program that the three people that seem most likely to be the targets of this investigation have all been fired from the campaign. Were they real firings? I don't know, but it gives them great cover. Paul Manafort, Carter Page, who basically had nothing to do with the campaign to begin with, and Roger Stone. I mean, these are people, you know, and Mike Flynn, all have since been fired. Mike Flynn got across the threshold into the White House. But, you know, these are not people that are currently working within the administration. That's the first point. The second point is... The administration has been doing things that have really irritated the Russians and actually made the Chinese quite happy. We started in January with the opposite being true. A call from Taiwan, this is going to, and, you know, we're going to be really buddy-buddy with Putin and we're really going to drop the hammer on uh, on Beijing. And That has not happened. A very, very small piece of news, which is significant and nobody has noticed and very underreported, was that the United States Navy is now kind of backing off in the South China Sea during the Obama years and and, and before that. You know, China claims that area as its own, its international waters, and we have patrolled it, you know, for navigability, you know, making sure ships can get through. We have backed off on that. And we're doing that now to induce the Chinese to help us out in North Korea. A lot has changed. The Russians are mad. The Chinese are not. So if you look at the actual policy, what's going on? I mean, if they are buying off this this, uh, uh, presidency, they're really not getting their money's worth. Right. I mean, it's it's a bizarre argument at this point, which has become, you know, I hate seeing these these people on MSNBC now has become, you know, they're number one in the ratings in the demo now because they've been doing this. Lawrence O'Donnell and Rachel Maddow going full tilt about these Russia stories and really lurching in the conspiratorial like Lawrence O'Donnell suggesting that 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 the collusion between the United States and the Kremlin was the attack on the 75 Tomahawk missile attack on a a uh, Syrian air force base, I'll let you have that and get you a little bump. That was Lawrence O'Donnell suggested wow. this based on what? Nothing, pure speculation. And it was a split screen when he was telling this to
2: Rachel Maddow, who was nodding so vigorously, yeah. I thought her head was going to pop off. I, I, I suppose there's there's a world in which one should say, well, to be fair to them, um, and and I don't know that this is entirely fair. This this is actually really generous um, that he was saying. Uh, Wouldn't it be nice if you didn't have to wonder if it was a possibility that the president of the United States... Might in fact be working with his friend Vladimir Putin, as if to say that uh, there is yeah. so much smoke. It sounds like filling Dine- the room. Dinesh D'Souza that we talking about Obama. Wonder. Yeah. Well, no, the, the, it's, it's this, very, very similar. I mean, in terms the, the, of the this hysterical this is an, paranoia uh, that's, that's on display.
3: I, I think, you know, in my in in the Moynihan version of the Duterte dictatorship, when I take over <laughs> and I start pushing people out of helicopters, I'm going to jail any journalist <laughs> no. who uses the "I'm just asking questions" formulation, which Lawrence O'Donnell did, and then And of course, Sean Hannity just did the other day. He's like, hey, man. I'm just asking questions. I don't know in in which. And this pro- is the, the
2: I, Seth Rich, uh, the Seth Rich murder. Yeah, and Washington D.C. D.C. staffer get killed who was
0: at f- killed four in the morning in Shootingdale, D.C. And yeah. like it must be a conspiracy. Yeah, it must it's be like, a conspiracy. He walked
3: outside. Have you been to that neighborhood? Yeah, I mean it's it's Occam's it's, razor it's here. Nice this is now, like but... I mean, it's a little nicer, but you know, like well, he wasn't wrong. It's always the thing like he the, the, he wasn't robbed. You know, sometimes when you when you get in the scuffle, or something you shoot them, you want to get the fuck out of there as fast as possible. Like let me try to get this guys watch off it's not i mean they might guy like there's a pretty obvious explanation for all this stuff but hannity does this and you know the with all the mental capacity you would expect from sean hannity it was saying like you know guys i'm just asking questions when i tweeted this um that I said that Sean Hannity's just asking questions, just asking really fucking stupid questions. And oh, it was gosh. like retweeted like 2000 times. But it also, but the, in that, I was happy that it got a lot of attention because in that, it provoked gales of laughter for the afternoon because people were just asking questions about Sean Hannity. <laughs> and saying this like, I heard that uh, Sean Hannity killed a drifter. Uh, you know, just asking the question. I don't know if it's true. He, uh, <laughs> he did,
0: w- one of his great tweets uh, from uh, Tuesday was uh, that, you, you know, like uh, he was retweeting can- kim.com this uh, charlatan on on the lamb in new zealand or australia or whatever um and it's like, oh, this is incredible. Uh, this is, this is going to blow the lid off everything. And so it was a retweet of a Kim Dotcom tweet, which just said, you know, it was it was all uh, DNC, this and that. And then he had a link. <laughs> Your the, source
3: is Kim.com. And, and the, <laughs> the link man changed his name to a URL. And
0: and the link is <laughs> fucking ridiculous. The link that Kim put there that was supposed to to prove it. I, you click on it and it's a dance record. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was the evidence. He's yeah. the hell out of
3: him. He's uh, there's there's a enormously obese uh, German man holding a flower, and it's like, buy my new record. It's going to be great. And oh, by the way, this says rich, and all about it. It's going to be great. I'm blowing the lid off of it. I'm like, you are, so you are literally the fattest man in the world, just <laughs> rolling around the countryside in New Zealand, and somehow you've ripped the lid off this case while drinking pints of gravy. I don't know. What the f- like, who are these people? Sean Hannity, I want to congratulate you for being the Woodward and Bernstein of our gen- – the, the the Woodstein of our generation by getting things online and saying, yeah, I think this is really – I think the DNC is shooting people.
2: Yeah. You should lose your TV show well, for that, well, As we Well, as we back away from this story, I mean, the, the, the funny thing to me yesterday watching Sean Hannity back away from the story is – When he was acknowledging that he would no longer be pushing, pressing forward with his investigative uh, exploration of the Seth Rich murder, um, he didn't really explain why he's no longer talking about this story except to say that it's upsetting the family and, oh, yeah, all that Russia stuff is made up. I don't Mm -hmm. really understand how I'm supposed to interpret that. Are you admitting just candidly? Yeah, well, I made up a story because the Russia story is made up. So if they're gonna be hysterical about something, I should be hysterical about something too. Yeah. Which is kind of what it seemed like he was saying. Um but I'm I'm one has I have no idea what the hell is going on. The best, on there. the best part very, is that the confusing.
0: the Fox News room and they've got a lot of good journalists who work uh-huh. there are just in open revolt against Sean Hannity. Yeah, they're yeah. they're outraged and they should be. Yeah, but-
2: and there was there was one bad story that was posted um, on uh, on Fox News um, and was in fact retracted. Um, it took, took, the, the took them five days. days. Yeah,
0: uh, and shout out to our friend uh, Dave Weigel, who has not uh-huh. come on this program, but uh, but will at some the point. Washington post. Washington post. He's been writing really well uh, uh, specifics on the uh, Seth Rich conspiracy, and his wrap up post today is particularly good for people who are interested in that. Go to the Washington Post, Dave Weigel, Seth Rich. Um, He's
3: very good on conspiracies, and uh, and Dave was the guy who did all the all the early legwork on the, uh, birther on the stuff. Birther, sure. Did. And, uh, and you know, had a pretty good prediction that this stuff was going to be larger than just in the goofy fringes. And that of course it got so beyond the goofy fringes that one of the proponents of that theory is now the president of the United <laughs> States, <laughs> which by the way, everyone forgets. I yeah. mean, you have somebody who's so crazy that they, that I think this is kind of like the chaos theory of it is if you say so much, So often and you're that crazy all the time that people tend to forget the kind of er text of his crazy, which was, you know, Coming up with this idea that I get attention. And it's mentioned, by the way, in the new Roger Stone documentary that is um, that is on Netflix, which contains one of the weirdest things. Uh, a side note it contains an on camera interview with my dear friend Matt Labash, who is a brilliant, funny writer who refuses and has always refused to do radio and TV oh. for all sorts of very complicated reasons. that he just didn't want to do it. Alcoholism, and he hates it. mostly. And, well, I mean, by the way, in this interview, he's drinking, which is very of course funny. He is. <laughs> Um, and, and so Matt is I, I almost choked and I've been talking about reason. Didn't even didn't even um, mention it to me, but I almost choked when I saw it. It's a very good film, by the way. And it does get into the fact that maybe Roger is uh, there's a great quote in it from Tucker Carlson, Carlson on um, an interview with Carlson, where he says, you know, uh, basically, Roger Stone is involved in every um, major historical event for the past two hundred years. And they do a funny little animation with it where Tucker's like making jokes about you know the fall of Rome and you know the D-Day landings because he's a great self-promoter. And uh, you know in in that in that sort of. Universe where where he lives, where 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 Stone exists, which is a very very bizarre place. You know, you know, yeah, Roger, yeah. right? And I've and i I've I've met him.
0: We've, of, we've, we've yeah. had some, some times together. I haven't gone to like the yeah, yeah. swinger clubs in Florida with him that yeah. kind of level. But we've had some lunch. I had a, I,
3: yeah, I had a drink with him during the. During the campaign, actually, I'll say this. Let me just end on this. This is probably a more interesting thing. Is that I don't even know if it made it into our final piece. We did a piece uh, for the HBO show in which um, I went to a birthday party for Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, <laughs> that Roger Stone was at the the. Um, uh, kind of conspiracy convention the next day. There was actually a cake with Lee R. V. Oswald's face on it. And mm-hmm. we, we cut the cake and we sang happy birthday to him. Uh, I didn't actually, but everybody else did. And I did. The only reason I didn't was because he murdered the president. Uh, it's usually <laughs> a disqualifying thing. Um, but Stone, in that moment, it was in, I believe it was in October, all the polls were going against Trump. It was looking very, very bad for him and very, very good for Hillary, obviously. Um, and he said to me, um, well, You know, we'll see how it goes. They run a very, very bad campaign. It's they've done a terrible job. And Rogers clearly believes the polls. And he said, well, I signed an NDA about my time with the Trump campaign. But the funny thing is my lawyer looked at this NDA in the wrong kind of shell company from the Trump organization, uh, signed it on their end. So as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't apply. And I said, Roger, what do you mean? Are you going to get some you're going to? write something about this? He said, we'll see. And he was doing that Roger thing where I have the goods. If they lose and disappoint me, I'm going to release these, you know, whatever it might be. I mean, Roger has a credibility problem, too, because he believes, you know, Hillary Clinton killed John F. Kennedy Jr. um, That's that's just facts. For for political reasons. But, But Stone tells this story and then they win the election and Roger has a new book out about the brilliance of the Trump revolution.
2: It's classic Roger Stone. Anyway. Ex-post narratives. Yeah. Some idiot? Some idiot wrote this. Yeah. What do you got for me, guys? Uh, Matt, you got something?
0: Uh, I thought we were going to go with... uh... Morrissey? No, uh, that was
2: Morrissey's pretty great. Okay. Yeah, it was his birthday. If you if you're gonna, you know. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on with. That. I don't even know who Morrissey is. Can so. I? Do, can I? Do, <laughs> yeah. Like,
3: yeah, for you new listeners, uh, Camille's black. <laughs> uh, black people don't know who Morrissey is. Mexicans are huge fans yeah, of Morrissey. All um, they know is uh, who Morrissey is. Yeah, uh, Scotch Jamaicans are, are future fans. They're not fans of Morrissey. This is true. Uh, but we're gonna go. Oh, that's a good pivot to the music mm-hmm. because my some idiot wrote this is um, actually. A uh, idiot organization at a university. Mm. So if you ever have a lack of material on somebody that wrote this, just just troll America's universities. Actually, in this case, Canada's universities. Mm. This is a headline in the Guardian. Lou Reed's friends dim- dismiss claim that walk on the wild side is transphobic <laughs> so uh, to Camille uh, who uh, you know is, is uh, a Jamaican walk in the wild side is the song yeah is the song sampled doo, 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 doo. by Tribe Quest <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so um, uh, here here is the bit. that's funny um uh, this is a friend, Lou's longtime producer, Hal Wilner, told The Guardian, I don't know if Lou would be cracking up about this or crying because it's just too stupid. And apparently the Guelph, at Guelph University, the Guelph Central Student Association, apologized for including the song in a playlist at a campus event. It said, we now know the lyrics to this song are hurtful to our friends in the trans community and would like to unreservedly apologize for this error in judgment. Um,
0: Does it mean people in the trans community no longer give head?
3: I well, it's it's <laughs> uh, apparently that
0: was it's a, this is I mean, a song. What, what, what is what are the, what is the, the by the way this is this song.
3: is it's unclear because yeah. the song is is one of the earliest uh, celebrations of trans people and a celebration of Candy Darling and Hollywood Lawn the two Andy Warhol factory stars um, uh, those people in particular but it is a great uh, look at at our culture now that just the instinct. To discuss if you are quote not a member of that community. The album was, by the way, called Transformer and Lou was in quite a bit of makeup on the cover. And, uh, and that black and white cover. Dating. Yeah, dating men. And I mean Lou is doing all the things that he that he that he sang about. But it doesn't matter. I mean, this is the idea that the sort of crystallization of stupid identity politics, that the mere mention of it sends people into fits and spasms that all I gotta something say, must
0: be, be wrong. All I got to say for those people is, is God help them when they discover street hassle.
3: <laughs> oh, my God. God this <laughs> song in particular, yeah. a 11-minute a song. And this is my recommendation on the way out. Sometimes we do this on the show. Yeah. I recommend mm. books and mm. and films and stuff like this. I oh, will recommend not. the song based on Matt's... Uh, bringing it up, the 11-minute song Street Hassle on Lou Reed's album Street Hassle, which uh, ends uh, or close to the end has a very brief appearance by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah,
0: he's, so he's going down with a ship, too, as, soon as yeah, people uh, yeah. discover the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's basically about the hassle of having a teenage naked girl OD, OD in, in your, your apartment. In your and apartment you, in New York yeah.
3: City.
2: No, I mean that's and that's a real. I mean that'll screw up your night. Yeah, yeah and yeah.
3: Uh, the recommendation from the host of the party to drag the body into the street, and uh, it's uh, then I won't read say the lyrics because I think it's maybe even too much for serious. Um, <laughs> it's just another hit and run. They'll just that body will just be another hit and run. It's a very old school. Seventies wow. New York
2: snapshot. Uh, of uh, my that's, yeah. That is, now that's a little offensive. Yeah. Trends trends are not. Yeah. I, uh, there's, I don't no, believe there's any. It, right Reference to trans in this one. Yeah, it's, so. uh, it's rough business uh, yeah. on, on the years. Given given the number of trans people in this country, which is probably south of two million, maybe just over a million, I, I have growing. No, no idea. Why idea. why no not idea. why not just poll all of them when you suspect they might be offended? Well, this, this is, is not that many. This is the we thing. Can actually, get to the bottom of
3: this. Periodically, we have polls about what Native Americans think about sports mascots and names yeah you could just and talk there's been some everyone. that just i i one that i saw that fairly recently was like yeah we don't care yeah, yeah we that's, just don't that's care generally the, this uh, is basically for people who eat quinoa bowls in park slope in brooklyn well we'll look into to get exercise i've about.
0: got one some idiot okay just at the end to tack on All right, my, my on my dear friend uh, eric bowling <laughs> twitter feed <laughs> again i, I yeah. can't stop it's just too good this is a guy who's a a a host of on a television network. And here's my my piece of advice for anybody out there who's even doing something related to journalism or commentary or whatever. Don't have this following hashtag. So this is from a couple of days. May 21st. American pride returns. Feel it? Been too long missing from the commander in chief. Thank you, President Trump. Continue on with hashtag Maka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mean, imagine if people were hashtagging no hope. Well, yeah, I guess they yeah. kind of were yeah, uh, during possibly. Obama, but yeah. this is an advertisement for, I'm just going to join a team and you the know. team is power yeah. uh, and it's gross. And Stop I think it.
3: that, um, uh, you should respond to him, um, and say, you know, I think what you're feeling is probably chlamydia. That's, that's, <laughs> I, that's, that's the other, I, I look at, I, I, you know, I'm like Sean Hannity. I'm just asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with him, but I'm just asking questions. So,
0: but you're pretty confident that it hurts when he pees.
2: Hundred percent sure.
3: Oh Actually, I don't want the lawyers to get involved. Ninety nine percent sure, one well, percent doubt. Well,
2: well, this, <laughs> this, this uh, that brings to a close this ad hominem filled uh, dispatch from the Fifth Column podcast. You dick. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Michael Moynihan, Matt Welch, gentlemen, it's a pleasure as always, uh, and we will uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye.
1: We, we, we know of new
4: methods of attack. Poken Horse, the fifth column.